It's Alex Baker here for a Magic Musicals and Theatre podcast takeover in for Alice today. So I sat down with the legendary director Peter Catania because he was releasing a new film, Military Wives. And I've always been taken by the story of the Military Wives, the ladies that started a choir on a military base to escape the kind of monotony and boredom of life on a base and the fear and anxiety that happens when their husbands go off to war. So it was a privilege and a pleasure to sit down with Peter to talk about his new film, which is out today. About five minutes ago, I stepped out of a cinema in deepest, darkest London with a full heart after watching Military Wives, the latest film from the acclaimed director, Peter Catania. The chap responsible for movies such as The Full Monty, you may have heard of, The Rocker, Opal Dream, Lucky Break, fantastic musical film, and just so much more as well. Military Wives is heartbreaking, beyond no illusion. It's moving, it's eye-opening, it's hilarious, and it's an important story to tell for so many reasons. And fortunately for us, the man himself, Peter Catania, is sitting here with us right now. Hi, Peter. Hello, how are you? I am... I'm racked to my core. <laughs> yeah, that's great to hear. I'm <laughs> yeah. glad. Sorry. Affecting, to say the least, which we'll come to uh, in a second. Peter, a wise lady who's a good friend of mine once said to me, there is no greater feeling on earth, Alex, than singing at the top of your lungs. I think music has an emotional power, and I'm always kind of looking for stories and things that express that. And I have just spent, as I said to you just before we started, I've spent an hour and 50 minutes sat in a movie theatre ugly crying <laughs> to, your, to your new film. So I feel that perhaps we share that passion. Yeah, definitely. That was what really drew me to the project in the first place. Um, the fact that uh, Military Wives had music at its core, um, but was also in an environment and a kind of subculture, I suppose if you want to call it that, or a kind of corner of our society that I didn't really know anything about, actually. So it was a journey for me as well to discover more. Um, and so it felt like... There's a very specific story here about women in a very specific situation, but with universal themes that are just going to resonate with everybody because it's really about camaraderie, love and loss and big human themes like that. I think it's really interesting that you've picked that up straight away, the idea that there was so much that you didn't know about life on the base and, and, and those sorts of themes. And I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that's what you meant. I'm projecting because that was certainly the case for me watching the film you know, within the first 20 minutes, I was like, didn't know that, didn't know that, that's new. Oh my God, obviously, but how have I never thought about that before? All these different themes coming through. Did you spend time on bases to try and find that out or did you speak to a, a, to some of the military wives to yeah, uncover Yeah, we did, that? that's what took, I mean, that's what we spent the time on on the script, really. It was, first of all, a lot of time spent on Spotify deciding which songs uh, they were going to do and then yeah. getting disappointed when you couldn't afford certain ones. Um <laughs> But you got but, Yazoo in there. Yeah, but um, <laughs> but uh, it was really meeting the wives. I went up to Catterick, which is where the first military wives choir um, was formed, um, and met the welfare officer up there, met a group of women up there, went to a choir, practice, hang out with them afterwards and talked about it. But actually then I kind of thought, you really need a woman to come and talk to these women. Um, so one of our writers, Rachel Tunnard, went up there, um, followed a few weeks later and really bonded with the women and then she really became friends with them and they she's you know, I think she feels incredibly grateful for the kind of honesty um of the kind of details that um this group of women would share there's only, it was like really three or four women who just became right at the end of a text and a phone call for Rachel um sharing intimate kind of hilariously smutty details <laughs> 
um, <laughs> as well as really harrowing accounts. Um, so we're really grateful for that honesty to get those details into the script. I think that duality really comes across in the movie where you've got the incredibly funny, like you say, quite smutty moments combined with that, that what, you, what you're so good at and it's so absolutely prevalent in this film, if that's the right word, is that sort of constant tense backdrop. There's this like ever-present anxiety of that knock on the door or that phone call. And I think it's immediately relatable. I think anybody that has kids or family or has anybody in their life they care about can relate to that kind of moment of that phone call going off in the middle of the night. And that's so tense. How do you manage to put that sort of level of intensity into the film while still making it so funny? Yeah, I mean, the <clears throat> I mean, military-wise was all shot on military uh, property so I think the environment itself kind of lends itself to that it looks kind of like a factory really more than a town or a home yeah. or an office um, and the cast you know are great at playing that and I was always reminding them but it's hard because I was always trying to get this balance of like because the women themselves would say to me look are we wandering around all the time crying no <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a great bond between us women we have to go out and let rip every now and again and a lot of them say, and also, no one's made us marry soldiers. Yeah, you know? right, yeah. Um, and some of them are like, I'm on my third soldier now, I can't believe it. You know? but, um, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so that was to try and keep that joy. But uh, And it's a bit like life. That's what I think I'm glad you picked up on, because it is a bit like life itself. We're all in this kind of like, on, it could all end at any moment. And yeah. I actually met some military wives, and I said, yeah, I know, because my wife gets so upset. I go off on my bike every day, and she's always make sure I've got my helmet. She always thinks she's going to get that call that I've been hit by a bus or something. And they looked at me, and they went, yeah, it's not really the same. Yeah, not quite, <laughs> not quite the same. Our husbands are in war zones, but... but you know, Tottenham Court Road. Shame for you on Tottenham Court Road. <laughs> yeah. Now, is music part of your life day to day? Because I know for a fact, because I've done my research, because I'm such a professional, that you used to be in a band called... Was it called wow. And Then It Rained? How do you know that? Yeah. Well, you know, you I were the guitarist. Out, yeah, kicked out due to lack of guitar skills when we got uh, our break to support Aztec Camera. So hang on, um, so hang on, let's rewind that. So you, you were a guitarist in And Then It Rained, and tell me what happened. You got this big break to play with Aztec Camera, who were a big deal at the time. Yeah, well, I was got into the band, I think, mostly because I, well, I think it was just to kind of stand there, suck the cheekbones in, and um, <laughs> also my mum's Mini Metro was quite good for driving the kit around in. Um, but I used to get my mate Will into tune, because I couldn't even tune the guitar, really. I just do bar chords. Once every bar, I'd do the first chord, yeah, yeah, with like loads of flanging and phasing all over it, so that you couldn't really tell what was going on. Um, and and I'd get Will to come and tune it for me. And then after, you know, when the Aztec camera thing came about, they were like, "Uh, Will's really good at guitar, isn't he?" And like, "Sorry, mate, it's no. for the best for the band." No, yeah. So that was it. That was a defining teenage moment. And did you bow out gracefully? Do you know, I still drove them to the gig in my mum's Mini Metro. Did Pathetic, you? Really. Peter, Sorry. what know. a nice bloke. <laughs> <laughs> so music's clearly a passion of yours, it, even though there's some horror in your past where it's concerned uh, with, the, with the breakup of the band. Well, maybe they went on to do great things, I don't know. But um, were you actively involved then in choosing the music for this film? Yeah, and what was great actually was I was left to do it because it's always the thing that everyone thinks they know, everyone thinks they've got the best music taste. Go to any dinner party that ends up a bit more of a party and see each other ripping the Spotify out of each other's hands. No, 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 yeah. this track, you can never get more than 20 seconds into a track because <laughs> everyone thinks they know best when it comes to music. So but I was actually left alone, really. We had Liz Gallagher, who's a music supervisor I've worked with before, and she was coming up with lots of suggestions and like also there's a feasibility check of, like, don't even bother with that artist or this is right. possible. And, um, 
And it took a while. It evolved through various... Each draft of the script would have uh, slight changes in... Like, all drafts of scripts have, but there'd be often a different music palette to each one. And uh, I knew I wanted it to be rock and pop, basically. Yeah. Um, Classics. Yeah, and something that people wouldn't necessarily expect to hear choirs sing. But the thing I loved, and when I do... You know, sometimes I think I'm so lucky to have my job. You know, when I go around to Lawn Bouth, the composer's house and and he basically we go through songs and i'm like what about this one and he was just play them on the piano and kind of try and work out if they were choirgenic really and so he'd play one and be like that's not really a song that one that's just um a riff you know that's not going to work or yeah too many, right okay yeah it's got too many gaps in it where the instrumental is really what you love about this song you don't realize that but it's that and then some that's amazing go, yeah and some you go all right now that's a really good choir song and then we started to so we had, I think, inspired by the Gareth Malone documentary, you know, there was some Guns and... Because there's a great um, Guns and Roses and Bob Dylan and stuff in the Gareth Malone documentary. Yeah. Sweet Child of Mine, which is... Suddenly you realise is this very beautiful hymn, really. Right, yeah. Um, so we had that for a while, but then we felt... I had a thing about wanting to go as British as possible. Yeah. Um, and we just started to dig into the eight... Then, then we started to work up um, Sharon Horgan's character Lisa a bit with a backstory about her being having been in a band once upon a time and then, I love the moment where she's got a songbook yeah that worked really well and lovely. then so and she played that so well and then and let's use that old picture of her in the 1980s as yeah well. and she's like oh god <laughs> <laughs> um, and so then it was like when, so when how old would she have been when she was like in her teens da, da, da. oh okay then we started to dig into that sort of British post-punk pop, which is a great era. Um, and then we, I decided to try and wrap that round that a bit and kind of create a genre for the film just so it didn't just feel so random. Yeah. Um, and the other thing was just listening to the lyrics and trying to find lyrics which were... which resonated with the narrative, but which didn't kind of rabbit down your throat well absolutely and i think there is that kind of nervousness of it coming across as contrived right when you have music in a film my my wife hates musicals because she thinks it's so contrived now, mm. obviously this isn't a musical but i mean i'm completely the opposite of her i think musicals are the best yeah. thing on earth but um but that's why we get on so well but w- one thing i noticed is when there's a subtlety to it and i noticed that with only you when they sing only you for the first time there's a kind of that moment where you're like, oh, I love this song, and oh, they're doing a good job, and then it hits you, and they're like, oh, hang on, this is a really, really relevant song for them to be singing, and and that was the moment where I where it was like waterworks time. I was just like, <laughs> the only film I've seen where I think I cried more was The Notebook. <laughs> oh God, thanks. I was absolutely, honestly, I was in bits. I was like looking around and <laughs> looking at me, and I was like. <laughs> Well, just I think music, hold it together. You know, the music has the power to do that. It goes into yeah. a different part of your brain. Um, and I find that fascinating. That's the great thing about what I love when I'm even making a film. Without music, it's like the score and when you can just access. And I'm I'm equally someone. I can find myself going for a walk on Hampstead Heath with my headphones on. And it's like, well, I hope no one's looking because I'm now crying. Yeah. Radiohead on the Heath. <laughs> for no apparent reason. It's just got in there. Yeah. You know? Is that what um, you, is that what you find yourself listening to about bands like Radiohead stuff like that? Also, so wide, yeah, you know, really just a really wide range of music, and now a whole new world by my teenage sons of grime and all that I'm listening to as well, just to kind of yeah, because I and I'm like that sounds terrible. When I listen to it, I'm like that's exactly what I'd have been listening to when I was 15. Absolutely, yes, yeah. anarchic and yeah. punky and everything else, right? Um, so yeah, so I have a very wide range, but it was great. That was and you know to be able to actually get them, and then you kind of go to Liz you're like so can we have it can we have it and you're waiting it's like then you also have to the reality is you have to well you know you can have five 
erasures for one print. So. <laughs> <laughs> this is the business of movie making. A little bit. So, you know, and then also I think we were very, then we had the fact that we had uh, Robbie Williams and Guy Chambers got involved. So we went out to them um, to try and come up with an original because there's a, in the narrative, there's an original song written. Right. And to be honest, there is in the, you know, the military wives, of course, did write an original song based on their letters. That's where the idea comes from. That's right. Um, So I was a little like, I kind of had to grapple with that a bit and think, well, they did write a song and it's, this is the song. Although they also got quite a lot of help from professional songwriters, but it didn't feel like their song, wherever you are, quite fitted into the kind of pop sensibility of the film. Um, so that's why we thought we'd go for a slightly more pop version. So I didn't that, really feel like Lisa would have written that song. Sure. Yeah. So for people that don't know, the song the song at the end of the film that's performed at the Albert Hall, which isn't a spoiler, because anybody that knows the Military Wives story knows that that's you know, kind of what happened, um, that is an original song that was written for this movie. By Robbie Williams and Guy Chambers. Yeah. That's just Because it's a brilliant song. Yeah, no, it works really well. And they sent over a quick time, and it's quite hard... I mean, I was because we obviously grappled with like, do we just you, do we just throw loads of money at this to get like one by you two or something? To just, <laughs> it's gonna work, you know. Um, but the whole fact that, that the Lisa's character had Sharon's character, Lisa had written the song, was a great part of the narrative, and yeah. it made it very de- democratic. It's, and it's very emotional. It's based on bits and pieces from the letters that they write and receive. Um, so we thought we we're going to do it, and I'm like, we're going to ask the end of the film to kind of rely on a song that I have never heard yet. Yeah, but nobody is. And heard. it's now March, and we're shooting it. You know, they've got to start rehearsing it in two months' time. But that's so interesting because that, you know, we we're talking before about the anxiety and the tense, the tense element that's created through the film. It's so interesting to, to know from talking to you, which is why I love doing this because you'd never know this unless we had this conversation. You would know it, I wouldn't know it, and the listeners wouldn't know it. But it's so interesting to know that that those conversations were happening behind the behind the scenes off camera and actually all that intensity and all that kind of worry and nervousness actually comes through in the film because that's what happens they have the conversation about whether or not to do an original song and whether or not to do a cover mm. and some people are saying oh well, you know we've got to do it. Chris and Scott, uh, Scott Thomas's character saying well, we've got to do it uh, you know a, a cover because it's what they're expecting from this performance and there's that kind of that nervousness about which way to go and that you know that was actually happening behind the scenes yeah. <laughs> well life imitated art a few times I mean one of the great uh things I learned from making military wise was the power of I knew the power of music to contact the emotions but I, <clears throat> I really didn't I'd heard about the power of singing and I know how good it feels to sing well I'm a terrible singer I don't even really commit in church you know um I sing at the football sometimes <laughs> um, <laughs> and I sing in the shower yeah um but I had never had the experience of singing in a choir and I saw it palpably in front of me when we put the because I didn't really want to over-rehearse the song, especially the early songs when they don't know it's even going to happen in the scene. It's like the song is just thrown at them. And it's yeah. the, the, my intention was to make it feel very ad-libbed and fresh. And it did in the end because we... But the I, I was saying to the actors, let's not do any rehears- singing rehearsals. And they were like... I Hang think, on a sec. Yeah, we're actors. We'll yeah. learn to sing the songs and we'll pretend to not... Chill out, Peter, with your method. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but in the end, we started at the end of the film. So we started with the main song at this thing at the end, and we went backwards through the song during rehearsals. And as I know from experience, you never get everything rehearsed that you want to rehearse. So we actually did run out of rehearsal time wow. to do the first couple of songs. Um, but what it meant was that they just bonded on the first morning. You've got a group of 10 or 12, the whole ensemble with Sharon and Kristin and the other kind of six, seven or eight main cast. Um, turned up um, for the singing rehearsal. Um, 
and they were kind of a bit cagey like those things rehearsals can often just be everyone's so diff- they're just hiding so much because you know it's hard and they're all nervous and sure. I'm nervous and so and singing such a personal thing as well isn't it so yeah and they're all necessarily... saying I can't sing I can't sing I can't sing yeah um and then they, that was it. Well, sorry, Lorne was, you know, the music director, and we had a choir master there, and it was like, you got to sing. Okay, here we go. Here's the music. <laughs> and then that was it. Within, by half nine, they were, like, singing together. And by half 11, the first coffee break, they were like, bah, 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 best mates. Really? Know? Yeah. And it that's was just amazing. so bonding, and I think that's what the film's about. It was just amazing. You kind of, And I was, like, shooting it on my phone and sending it off to the producers and the writers and the casting directors just going, we've got a movie it's here. It's working, yeah. yeah. It was amazing. And it was amazing in the first few scenes when they s- sang on set, and everyone would gather around the monitors and the ward, you know, all the departments, and then they're wiping the tears, you know, and we're, I, I, we were like, "Oh, something's happening here," you know, which was really amazing. And, and, and like I say, I think it's so fascinating because that magic really does come through on screen, and, and it's why it had such a po- such a massive effect on me. And I found myself just in bits because it, that power of music and the power of the emotion of it just absolutely poured through. So I'm interested to know what your what your go-to shower song is. You mentioned uh, singing in the shower. There's no way I was going to let you get away with that without without picking you up on it. Uh, Starman, probably. Oh yeah, yeah, big tune. Yeah, <laughs> but very hard to get that little. Well, somewhere over the rainbow is really what Bowie always said. It is really. Um, but yeah, and my kids take the Mickey out of the way. I sing it. And do, why? Why? What is there a special <laughs> special inflection? Out of tune. Just <laughs> completely pitch it. <laughs> So quickly about storytelling. Um, you know, I think as we said right at the start, you, you have a habit of 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 finding really interesting stories and telling them, which I think is a wonderful thing. And not just in movies, but on TV as well, with the work you've done with Rev and the Bill, and and in commercials as well. By the way, if you don't know, Peter makes incredible commercials. So if you ever see an advert on TV and you think that's actually quite a good one, it's probably one of his. <laughs> um, but what what's your view? And what one of the things I loved about Military Wives is it felt like. It felt, and I mean this in the best possible way, it felt like it had that almost old-fashioned kind of movie-making magic to it, where it wasn't all about explosions and graphics and big things and big set pieces. It was about real stories, real emotions, real characters, eminently relatable. You create films like that. How do you feel about the rest of the movie world? Do you, do you sort of view it with kind of slightly sceptical eyes or... Or would you would you not want to say because you know because you know there's a part of you that wants to secretly decamp to Hollywood? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I don't think it's that unhealthy at the moment. I know there's been a lot of talk about with very incredibly brilliant directors kind of bemoaning uh, the big Marvel movies and stuff. I mean, I see a lot of those because I well I've seen less these days. I've got four kids, but the youngest is now nearly fifteen, so I see less of them. But it feels like that, that whole, you know, it's very weird, this whole new influx of money coming from Netflix and Amazon and those places where it's hard when those films, hard to take when those films end up straight on people's laptops. On the other hand, they have reopened the door a little bit to making dramas and slightly niche drama stories again, which have got lost really before they came back in, in the last few years to make films that just are good actors, good stories. Mm. Um, but, you know, I, yes, it's hard. But you, still, you look at this bunch of awards films and it's pretty exciting actually you know yeah and there's some great slightly more off-center films there's really there's 1917 being really kind of adventurous there's like i loved ford versus ferrari or le mans 66 yeah, yeah. it's just like a good old-fashioned movie um 
So it does feel like there are, you know, movies can still be made out there and you've got a good idea, they'll they'll find their place. And are there any uh, stories in you that are yet to be told or th- anything you've got your mind on? I've got moment? a couple of things, you know, but I don't want to... Cheeky little projects lined up. Oh, I'm not <laughs> gonna... It's a bit early on both of them, really. Oh, yeah? But um, we'll see what uh, what happens. And a very, very basic question. What's your favourite film of all time? Oh, God. Or give me two. One that you just love and one that you feel like you should say because of who you are. Uh, <laughs> Kez, probably. Kez? Yeah. Amazing. Um, God, I remember watching that in school. That yeah, was a brilliant film. Uh, and The Wizard of Oz. Oh, yeah, classic. Why? What about The Wizard of Oz? Do you... Uh, I don't know, just pure cinema, isn't it? And magic, the magic of cinema, the cinema, the dream of cinema and how far it can take you out of the real world. And it's interesting, I think, and then Kez is so realistic yeah. and realism, and but so moving. And I think if I can sort of find a balance somewhere between those two. <laughs> well, I was just thinking I mean, to myself, I was just thinking to myself, you know, the magic of cinema and, and very sort of harsh realities of life combined into one could could sort of typify any... Of your films, really. So, well done, sir. Thank you very much. Good work. And it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my Musicals and Theatre podcast takeover. My name's Alex Baker. Normal service will resume with Alice next time round. And uh, don't forget, The Military Wives is out in cinemas right now. <laughs>